I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law does he meditate day and night. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live, and keep thy word. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your Torah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So two places I want you to find. Uh, our Torah portion is Numbers 23. And our, uh, our New Testament passage, our passage from the Renewed Covenant, is Acts 23. So both of them are chapter 23. But we're going to start out in Acts chapter 23. So put your finger in Numbers 23 and go to Acts chapter 23. Now, the Torah portion for this week is called, it's a double portion because we're not in a leap year on the Hebraic calendar. So it is the Torah combination of Chuchat and Balak. Chuchat means regulations. Now, chuchat is a special word that means regulations, but it's special regulations. It means regulations that you won't understand. Regulations that God says to do because I said so, because if I explained it to you, you wouldn't get it anyway. Just trust me on this one. That's kind of what chuchat means. So it's regulations. Now, Balak is a proper name. Balak was an evil pagan king who hated Israel, and he wanted to, uh, um, to, get, to, uh, to curse Israel. So we're going to see in the Torah portion, he hires Balaam, which basically in Judaism, Balaam was considered the Moses of the pagan world. He was just as popular, just as powerful, just as reputable as Moses, but in the pagan world. Uh, so he was like the world's version of Moses in a sense. He was, uh, I mean, he was schooled in all the different uh, pagan religions. He knew and worshipped and communicated and talked with every single god of Mesopotamia and around that area. And he knew all the spells and potions and rituals and all this kind of stuff. He was a well-educated man, well sought out. So in Acts chapter 23... Uh, starting with verse 12. Now, the song, the song service, I wanted to gear towards drawing attention to blessings, God's blessings, uh, and how God is good in giving us those blessings, and we need to praise Him for these blessings. But when God blesses something, it can't be unblessed. When God blesses something, it can't be cursed. Sometimes you have pagans out in the world who will literally try to put a curse on you. Try to, leave, try to put a hex or a vex on you. And people are like, oh no, I, I'm scared. They probably sacrificed a goat or, you know, boiled eyes of a newt and a cauldron. And, and no, we don't have to be afraid of those things. They can't curse what God has blessed. And we're going to find in our Torah portion that Israel was blessed and it was impossible for them to be cursed. So Balaam had to initiate a plan B if he was going to get a paycheck. So we're going we're gonna to see a little bit about this. Now, just think, just think of how many people that may hate us because of our faith. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, the only time that we realize somebody's cursing us or somebody's persecuting us is when they do it directly. Somebody might be in their bedroom or in a basement or out in the woods dancing around a fire and pronouncing curses, and we would never know it. 
Think of how much God is protecting us from that we have no idea or no clue about. God is protecting us in ways we, can't, we won't know until we get onto the other side. Now, this happened to me. I had a, a witch uh, from Nigeria who tried to put a curse on me. I had no clue she was doing this. I had no clue she was praying against me. I had no clue she was attempting to curse me. It wasn't until she died that somebody called me and said, uh, so-and-so has died. I said, oh, did you realize that they were pronouncing curses against you and doing witchcraft against you? No, I had no clue. Well, it looks, looked like God took care of that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, God was protecting me from the curses of this witch, and I was clueless until she died, and then it was brought out what she was doing. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't experience any effects. There was no point in my life up to that point where I said, what's going on? Everything's happening to me. Uh, maybe I'm cursed. Nothing like that happened. So God was protecting me, and I didn't know it. Israel had no clue that, they were that Balaam was attempting to curse them multiple times. They probably didn't find out until they actually captured Balaam, and he maybe confessed to try to get rid of getting next, you know, try to uh, stop being executed. But he got ran through with a sword, so maybe he kind of divulged what he did in order to obtain mercy from the Israelites. But they had no clue that they were being cursed, and God protected them. You think of you think of uh, Isaac when he was blessing his sons. He blessed Jacob, and the whole time he thought he was blessing Esau. Then Esau comes in and says. Oh my gosh, who was that, that I just blessed? I blessed him and he's going to be blessed. In other words, when you bless somebody, there is no take backs. So it's not like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to reverse that. I'm taking the blessing off him and I'm putting it on you instead. No, when a blessing is given, it's given. You can't take a blessing back. So uh, Isaac confessed to Esau, look, I can't, he's blessed. I already blessed him. It's a done deal. I can't, I can't reverse it, you know. Uh, and so he had to bless Esau in a different way. All right, so Acts chapter 23, beginning with verse 12, says, When it was day, the Judean leaders formed a conspiracy. Now, a conspiracy is a plan made behind closed doors. A conspiracy is something that is meant to be quiet, not to be publicized or put out in the open or exposed. So they're doing something secret that nobody else knows about. They bound themselves by an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Get this. They bound themselves by an oath not to eat or drink until they had... I swear I will not eat another bite of food. I swear I will not take another drink of liquid until Paul is dead. Pushing up Daisy six feet under. Now, I wonder if those guys, if they really meant that, did they die of starvation? Did they die of thirst? Or did they were like, well, I think we better start eating because uh, I don't think this guy's going to die. Yeah. You know, it just makes me wonder if they actually followed through with their oath, right? It's kind of comical in a way. So it says, there were more than 40 who formed this plot. Now, I don't know about you. 40 against one are not good odds. You know, I mean, sometimes you get those odds in, in, in the Royal Rumble and in the WWE. You know, you get everybody in the ring at the same time, and usually one, one man's going to stand on top at the, end of the, at the end of it. You know, they have to throw out everybody in the ring and be the only one standing. You know, but 40 to 1 isn't good odds. So it kind of looks like Paul is a dead man. 
They went to the ruling, uh, they went to the ruling Kohanim, that is the priest, and the elders who said, We have bound ourselves with a solemn oath to taste nothing until we've killed Paul. So now you and the Sanhedrin serve notice to the commander to bring him down to you, like you, uh, like you were about to investigate his case more thoroughly. But we are ready to kill him before he even comes near. So the conspiracy was draw him in on some, you know, trumped up phony charges, make him think he's going to go to court, but even before he gets to court, we're going to kill him. How many have seen how many times have we seen this on TV? Wasn't one of the assassinations happened on live television when this guy was actually going to court? Somebody come up to him with a gun and bang, just shot him right there in the front of the camera. He never made it to court. And that's what they were planning to do with the apostle Paul. He won't even make it to court. Verse 16, but the son of Paul's sister, so in other words, Paul's nephew. Paul's nephew heard about their ambush. Uh, so, you know, you got to be careful of who, who you're around. Sometimes you may look at a little kid and say, ah, well, they don't understand. They don't know anything. Well, guess what? When my mom and dad were talking to each other and they started spelling out things thinking I didn't know, I knew how to spell by then and I could figure out what they're talking about. Kids aren't dummies. I'm not sure how old his nephew was, but it says, He went into the headquarters and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, This young man, uh, take this young man to the commander, for he has a message for, the, for him. So the centurion took him and led him to the commander and said, This prisoner, Paul, calls me and asks me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. The commander took him by the hand, stepped aside, and began asking him privately. What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, the Judean leaders have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish Supreme Court, tomorrow, as they are about to investigate more thoroughly about him. But do not give in to them, for there are more than 40 of them that have bound themselves by an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Even now they are ready and waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me about these things. So there was this plot against the Apostle Paul. He had no idea 40 men were planning on killing him until his nephew brought it to light. And what it, once it was brought to light, that plan utterly fell apart. It failed. It folded. And so, in a sense, they were trying to curse Paul by killing him. But Paul couldn't be cursed because Paul was blessed. Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He had a mission to, to, to perform, and he wasn't going to go down until that mission was over. And once that mission was over, what did Paul write in his letters? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In other words, he says, I know my race is over. I'm passing the baton on to you, Timothy. I'm passing the baton on to you, Titus. I'm passing the baton on to my other disciples because I know my work here is done and my mission is complete, and I'm going home, and I'm excited about it. There was a couple times Paul says, look, I'm torn. I want to go home, but I want to stay and minister to you guys. I'm homesick, but yet, uh, you know. So God wasn't going to let Paul get killed until Paul's time and mission was complete. You, you remember when, when Paul and Barnabas went out on a mission, missionary trip, and all of a sudden they got all ticked off at Paul, and they stoned him to death? Well, they thought they did. They drug him outside the city and pelted him with rocks until it piled up on him. And they thought, okay, well, he's dead. He's not moving. They all left. And all of a sudden, that pile of rocks starts rumbling. He gets up. 
brushes himself off, and runs and hides. No, no he goes right back into the city. God knew, or Paul knew that God wasn't finished with him. Paul was blessed. He couldn't be cursed. So now we go to um, Numbers chapter 23. All right, so Numbers, Bamidbar is it in the Hebrew. Numbers chapter 23, and we're going to go to verse 1. So it's kind of a lengthy reading, so kind of buckle up here because there's a lot of stuff we got to flesh out. So it says, Then Balaam said to Balak. Now remember, Balaam is the one who had the donkey talk back to him. So that's, that's who Balaam is. So Balaam said to Balak, Build me seven altars here and prepare me seven bulls and seven rams. So seven is a symbol of completion. So he planned on completely cursing Israel. So Balak did just as Balaam said, and Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering, and I will go, and perhaps Adonai will meet me. Whatever message he shows me, I will tell you. Then he went to the barren height. God met with Balaam, and he said to him, I have prepared seven altars, and on each altar I offered a bull and a ram. And Adonai put a message in Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and speak this. Balaam went back to him, and behold, he was standing beside the offering. And when the prince of, uh, and with all the princes of Moab, then he uttered this oracle and said, From Amram, Balak brought me, Moab's king from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse one whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce one whom Adonai has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see him. From the heights I behold him. Look, he lives as a nation apart and does not consider himself as being like the other nations. Who can count Jacob's dust? Who can number a fourth of Israel? Let my soul die the death of the upright and let my end be like this. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemy, but look, you actually blessed them. But in response, he said, Mustn't I speak whatever Adonai puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, come now with me to another place where you can see a part of them, only a part of them, not all of them. Curse them from there. So he took him to the lookout field on top of Pisgah. He built seven altars and offered seven bulls and seven rams on each altar. This is getting to be an expensive curse, right? I mean, the, I mean, seven multiplied by however many times that he, you know, tried to curse them and ended up blessing them instead. Yeah, that's, that's quite a lot of livestock. Stay here beside your offering, he said to Balak, while I meet over there. Adonai met with Balaam and put a message in his mouth and said, Return to Balak and speak thus. So he went to him, and behold, he and the princes of Moab were standing beside the offering. And Balak asked him, What did Adonai say? So he uttered the oracle and said, Rise, Balak. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and then not do it, or promise and not fulfill it? Look, I received a command to bless. Now, I'm sure at this point, Balak is probably doing a, a face plant. He's probably, oh, you know, put, slapping his hand on his forehead and just wringing his hand, hand on his face. Because, you know, he's not cursing him. So he says, look, I've received a command to bless. 
He has blessed. I cannot change it. No misfortune is to be seen in Jacob and no misery in Israel. Adonai, their God is with them. The king's shout is among them. God is bringing them from Egypt with the strong horns of the wild ox. There is no sorcery effective against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it will be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness, like a lion who does not rest until he eats his prey and drinks his victim's blood. Then Balak said to Balaam, do not curse them or bless them at all. And Balaam answered and said to Balak, haven't I told you all that Adonai says I must do? Balak said to Balaam, come with me to another place. Perhaps it will be pleasing to God uh, and you may curse them for me from there. So Balak took, ba what is the definition of insanity? Was it, was it uh, Einstein? Same thing over again expecting the same result doing the same thing over again and expecting the same results i think that's i think einstein said that if i'm not mistaken but that is the definition of insanity so Bay, uh, balak just saw yahweh the god of israel as any other god because all the other gods were fickle all the other gods changed their mind all the time all the other gods could be manipulated you make a deal with them they may they'll make a deal with you you scratch their back they'll scratch yours so he's like oh perhaps so Balak says, try cursing them from over here. Uh, okay. So, ba verse 28. So, Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said to Balak, build me seven altars and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Not only is this an expensive curse, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a lengthy one. So, think of how long it took for them to hike from one peak to the next. How long it took for them? Just think of our peaks example. Yeah, a good example. Mount Carmel area, going down to the Amish, getting some bulls. Right. <laughs> you know, you get all the no. That's, that's how I kind of put it as them with horse and buggy. Right. The closest to that. It would be you know, crazy. That. You would be all day. So this probably started very early in the morning at sunrise and probably didn't end yeah. until the sun was going down. So this was an all-day event of trying to curse Israel and it failing. And how long it took to build seven altars out of stone and how long it took to sacrifice these animals how long it took to walk to these places so you know here we go um yep all right so verse 29 and balak said to balaam build me seven altars here and premier me seven bulls and seven rams for me balak did just as uh balaam said and offered the bulls and the rams on each altar now we're into verse 20 or chapter 24. When Balaam realized that it was pleasing in the eyes of Adonai to bless Israel, he did not resort to sorcery as the other times, but turned his face toward the wilderness. Lifting up his eyes, Balaam saw Israel dwelling by the tribes. The Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, came over him, and he uttered this oracle and said, This is the oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, and the oracle of a strong man whose eyes has been opened, the oracle of one hearing God's speech. One seeing Shaddai's vision, the Almighty's vision, one falling down, yet with open eyes. Now, this verse is read in synagogues just about every week. And this comes from a pagan prophet, Balaam. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, and your dwelling places, O Israel. And this is also said in uh, uh, morning prayers. 
Like valleys, they are spread out. Like gardens beside a river. Like aloes planted by Adonai. Like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from, the, from his buckets. His seed by abundant waters. This, his king will be greater than Agag. His kingdom will be exalted. God is bringing him out of Egypt. Like the strong horns of a wild ox, he devours nations hostile to him. He crushes their bones. His arrows will pierce, will pierce them. He crouches like a lion or a lioness. Who will rouse him? He who blesses you will be blessed, and he who curses you will be cursed. God is putting the same words in Balaam's mouth that he told to Abraham. I will bless those who will bless you. I will curse those who will curse you. But think of the end of this blessing. Balak is wanting Balaam to curse Israel. Not only is he blessing Israel instead, he's cursing Balaam because he says, like the strong horns of a wild ox, he devours nations hostile to him, which is Balak. He will crush their bones. His arrows will pierce them. He crouches like a lion or a lioness who will rouse him. He will bless you who is blessed, and he who curses you will be cursed. Then Balak became furious at Balaam and struck his hands together. He probably just like, you know how you, you get mad and you put your fist in the palm of your hand. He's probably doing that like, oh man, I just want to pummel you right now. Then Balak became furious and struck his hand t t together. Balak said to Balaam, I summoned you to curse my enemy, but look, you've blessed them these three times. Whoever's good at math, what is seven times three? That's how many animals? 21 and then 21 plus 21 is what? 42. So that's how many animals because they were bulls and rams, right? 42 animals they slaughtered. You do the math of how much that would cost today. That's a, yeah. That's a year's wage. Yeah, probably a, yeah, a year's wage. Good point. So it says, now go home. I said I would reward you, but see, Adonai has kept you from the reward. You're not getting paid. Blame God for it. I'm not paying you. Blame God for it. You could have had honor. You could have prestige. You could have fame. You could have reputation. Nuh-uh. God's keeping that from you. So we'll stop right there. So in chapter 23, verse 13 and 27, chapter 24, verses 2 and then 5 through 6, Israel, as Paul at once was, was oblivious to the danger. At one point, Paul had no idea that, that there was an ambush waiting for him with 40 men. Israel had no idea that from peak to peak to peak, where they were camped out in the valley, that there were people there. They may have saw maybe smoke from the sacrifices, like, oh, man, well, the pagans are pretty active today. You know, but they had no idea that they were, being, that they were uh, attempted to be cursed. Now, uh, turn to Numbers 31. What's the root word for pagan, like Hebrew and Greek? Is there two parts of that, or is it just pagan? Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to, I don't know right off the bat. I like how you, you put, is it, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look, look up those particular words. So in Numbers chapter uh, 31, starting with verse 7, it says, They fought Midian just as Adonai had commanded Moses, so, um, and killed every male. Among the slain was also the Midianite kings, uh, uh, Evi, Rechem, Zor, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. So, Balak told Balaam, go home. You're not welcome here anymore. I'm not paying you. But obviously, he stuck around. Because he wanted to still get paid. He wanted to figure out a way that he could get paid. He couldn't curse them. God wouldn't let him. So you know what he did? He says, look, if I can't curse them, 
This is what you do. You seduce them. They have the, weak, they have the weakness of any other mortal man. So, you know, you have your Midianite women, your good-looking Midianite women, go into the camp, act like good neighbors, you know, maybe give them some meat or give them a cup of sugar, and then invite them to our little pagan sacrifice. And so that's what they did. And so the men are like, oh, yeah, these girls are hot, you know? I mean, we're traveling in the wilderness 40 years with these old hags, you know? I mean, their hair's disheveled. They're not even wearing makeup. And, I mean, look at these gorgeous Midianite women. I mean, Moses had a, had the right idea. Look, he's got a Midianite wife. Look how hot Zipporah is. Look at all these women. So they go to the sacrifice. And part of pagan sacrifice is not just sacrificing an animal and bowing down and saying some gibberish. Uh, there's sex involved. There's eating involved. Now, this is gross. According to research, you ate salad and, drink, and drank beer until you got sick and vomited. And that vomiting was part of your offering to these gods. But not only that, you had sex with these women because that was your physical way of communing spiritually with God. So that's why I think God doesn't want sex outside of wedlock because you could get STDs, not just sexually transmitted diseases, but sexually transmitted demons. Because you become one with that person. Whatever that person is one with, that person may be one with Lucifer. That person may be one with Baal. That person may be one with Molech. So if you are engaging in sexual activity, your spirit is connected to that person now and therefore connected to that pagan god. So basically they were committing physical adultery against their women of Israel, but spiritual adultery against God. Now Israel's blessed. Israel will always be blessed. But when will Israel be cursed? When they disobey God's commands. When you sin, when you disobey God, that's the only way you can be cursed. Because Deuteronomy 28 says, you are blessed if you obey my commandments, you are cursed if you disobey my commandments. So Balaam was like, look, Balak, I told you, I can only tell you what Adonai told me to say, and this is what he said, he wants me to bless Israel. I'm sorry, I, you know, I couldn't do anything else. But if you want to defeat Israel, this is how you do it. Send your women in there. And so that's a whole nother tour portion that we'll get into probably another time. But as a result of this sexual and spiritual immorality and adultery with Baal Peor, there was a plague and a lot of people were in Israel were killed as a result of that. Not only that, you had one of the tribal leaders of Simeon brazenly bring in a Midianite woman to camp and was having sex near the tabernacle. Well, everybody else is, is boohooing the fact, oh no, we're cursed because we've sinned. We've allowed the curse to come upon us because we've sinned. We've disobeyed God. Now we've got to deal with the consequences until Phinehas or Pinchas in Hebrew come up and speared those two people that were going at it. And that's how the plague was stopped. Again, another sermon for another time. So um, in Joshua chapter 13... Now, if we were going, if we were going by strictly English, we would be saying Joshua Christ. Do you know that? Really? We'd be saying Joshua Jesus Christ. Joshua. Right. Jesus is actually a made-up word. So what they did, because there's a lot of Joshuas in the scriptures, and they didn't want Yeshua, Jesus, to be confused with the other Joshuas. Joshua the patriarch, <coughs> Joshua the high priest, this Joshua, that Joshua. So when they came to the New Testament, they're like, let's take the Hebrew letters of Yeshua, Joshua, and let's find out what the equivalent letters are in Greek. 
So they put the equivalent letters of Greek to the Hebrew and it came out Jesus. It's a made up word. But it differentiates and makes that name stand out. Now, there's people that are going to tell you that Jesus is a made-up name, therefore it's pagan, because Jesus, Zeus, Jesus, it's talking about Zeus. That's bullcrap. They don't know anything about language. They don't know anything about Greek. I've seen demons flee in the name of Jesus. I've seen people healed in the name of Jesus. So Jesus, even though it's a made-up name, is just as powerful a name as Yeshua. I just prefer saying Yeshua because that's his real name in Hebrew. But if we were strictly speaking English, we'd be saying Joshua Christ instead of Jesus Christ. Just, just a little tidbit there I thought you'd be interested in. And it's funny because in the Spanish community, there's a lot of guys named Jesus. Yes. But in, but in, hey, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. But in, uh, in uh, English, there's a lot of guys named Joshua. They don't realize their name is Jesus. <laughs> okay, so Joshua chapter 13. Starting with verse, uh, starting with verse 21. All the towns of the tableland and the entire kingdom of Sihon and the Amorites who reigned in Heshbon, Moses defeated with the chief chiefs of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zor, Hor, and Reba. So we already read about them in the previous passage, how Israel defeated them. The princes of Sihon who were living in the land and Balaam, son of Beor, the diviner, whom the children of Israel killed with a sword among the rest of the slain. So we see that Balaam meets his end. Now, God told Balaam, when, these, when the Midianites and the Midianite delegation came to him, he said, Balaam, don't go with them. I don't want you doing this. And so he told the guys, guys, I can't go with you. God of Israel told me not to. So they sent another delegation with more important people, more, you know, of more clout, more reputation, more power. And he still said no, but they finally convinced him. So did God change his mind? No, he just said, look, I know you're going to go ahead and do this anyway, so you just might as well go. So it's like us as parents, when we know that our kids are being rebellious and we tell them not to do something, but we know that if we don't let them, they're going to go behind our back and do it anyway. So we just go ahead and let them and deal with the consequences of, of their actions. That's what God did with Balaam. He knew he was going to do it anyway because he was wanting a paycheck. He was wanting to get paid. And then God was even more merciful by sending the angel uh, against him. And he was, he, was called, he was called a seer. But this seer couldn't see the angel that the donkey saw. The donkey was more spiritual at that point than Balaam. Now, interesting in the scripture, when it says the angel stood against Balaam, do you know what this they called this angel? Now, don't freak out when I say this. But the angel was called Satan. Not because the angel was Satan, because the definite article wasn't there. It didn't say the Satan, it just said Satan. Because adversary in Hebrew is the word for Satan. Satan is our adversary. He's the adversary of all adversaries. But the, the word is, I think was translated in most translations as this angel opposed. This angel was Satan to Balaam. So he opposed him. So God was merciful bringing that angel and the donkey tried to save the guy's life. He ends up beating the, the, the donkey. And I don't know if it was just because he was angry and didn't think logically, hey, this donkey's talking to me, or perhaps he had the ability to talk the, to the animals like Dr. Doolittle because he was a pagan. But he was, was he, wasn't it three times the donkey wasn't going where yeah. was trying to kick him though too? Yeah. Like, would you quit? Like, almost, would you quit? Quit it there. I'm bringing you where you need to go. Right. Well, much like that. Paraphrasing, isn't it? Yeah, three times. Three times, right? Three times. And so he started beating this donkey, and the donkey said, wait, 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 stop. Why are you beating me? 
Why are you beating me? Have I ever done anything like this to you before? Haven't I been your donkey since years and years and years? And I've never been in the habit of doing this. I must have a good reason for doing this, right? And then all of a sudden, the seer's eyes was open and he saw the angel. And then he's like, Lord, do you still want me to go? It's like, hey, you're on your way. Go ahead and go. But you won't be able to curse them. So anyway, that's kind of an explanation for that. Uh, okay, so I have here in my notes, Paul, uh, Paul found out by his nephew, perhaps Israel didn't know about the plot to curse them until they captured Balaam and before executing him with the sword. Maybe he told the story thinking that they would spare his life. Well, see, I, I blessed you guys. You can't kill a guy who blessed you. I, I didn't curse you. I was supposed to curse you, but I didn't. I blessed you instead. You're going to let me live, right? Wrong. Maybe that's, maybe that's the way it went down. So this should comfort every one of us that God is constantly protecting us from evil plots of the enemy. And we may never know until we reach heaven. So don't ever say, oh, I must be cursed. Oh, something must be wrong. The only way you can curse, be cursed is if you curse yourself. And the only way you can curse yourself is by sinning, by being disobedient to God and his commandments. That's the only way that you can be cursed. And that curse can be reversed through repentance. So, as I said, in Numbers 23, 8, you cannot curse what God has blessed. That's what it says in Numbers 23, 28. And Isaiah, remember this verse, this is a good verse. Most of you know it. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, thus saith the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I already told you about the incident where I was being cursed and I had no idea until the lady healed over and died. This Nigerian witch was trying to curse me because I was working among the Ibu people. And she was worshiping the old pagan gods of the Ibu, thinking they were going to curse me. But the real god of the Ibus is the god of Israel because Ibu is Hebrew. The tribe of the, uh, the, the Ibu tribe is from the tribe of Gad. They come from the line of Ari. So anyway, we are not to fear any curse, hex, or vex, or witchcraft that's posed against us. Like I said, the only way that a curse will work is because we sin, because we disobey God's commands. We can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, so the only way that uh, uh, Balak or uh, Balaam was going to get paid because he couldn't curse them is that he come up with a plan B, seduce Israel. You seduce them and you cause them to sin, then they're going to be cursed. And they were cursed because a lot of people died in that incident. So uh, I just think that's a magnificent thing to think about, that how many dangers we encounter every day and we just don't know about it. And when we get to heaven, then the Lord maybe shows us uh, uh, our life and says, see, I had my angel here to protect you. See, this could have happened, but it didn't because I was there. You know, so it, it should really make us be aware next time we pray, Lord, thank you for all your many blessings. And when we think of that, think, Lord. Thank you for my life. Thank you for protecting me for today from things that I can't see or have no idea or don't know about. You know, I don't know what's going on. We can't see into the spiritual realm. You know, just like we can't see infrared or we can't hear ultra high frequencies. We can't see into the next realm. But animals sometimes can. You know, that's why, have you, you know, sometimes your cat or your dog goes a little bit crazy and it's staring in one corner. That's happened, and I said, okay, I, I don't know what you're barking at, but I'm going to play it safe, and I just command whatever's there in the name of Yeshua to leave, and the dog or the cat stops being crazy. I'm like, ooh, they saw something I didn't. You know, so God protects us from a lot, and this, this message should be an encouragement to us because we're not to fear the pagans. We're not to fear witches and warlocks and all this kind of stuff because they're nothing. 
I mean, they get their they get their uh, they get their power from a second rate hack that's going to be thrown in the lake of fire at the end of days. So you know, and just think of that. We we give more power and credit to demons and to Satan and to the fallen angels than are necessary because what does it say? It says a third of all heaven. Wait a second. Let's do the math here. There's only a third that fell. It means there's more good guys than bad guys. And the good guy, God, is omniscient. And the bad guy, the leader of the bad guys, he's not. He tries to make you think he is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, but he's not. He can't even, he doesn't even hold a candle to God and to his angels. But yet he's convinced us through fear that he's more powerful than God. And that's why we get afraid of curses and hexes and vexes and all this stuff that's going to happen to us. There's more of us than them. We have no reason to fear. And not only that, we're going to win. Now, we may have to go through troubles, trials, and tribulations. Actually, Jesus said we would. But what's that going to be compared to eternity? Yeah, nobody likes to think about being tortured. Nobody likes to think about being martyred. But that's only going to be a short amount of time compared to eternity. Endure to the end and you will be saved. And if God chooses you for that, don't you think he's going to give you the grace to endure it? He wouldn't put you through that if you think, well, I'll probably fail, but um, no. You know, he's going to put you in that situation if he knows that you can go through it, right? He knew that Peter would fall, but he knew Peter would repent. And Peter became the leader of, of, the, of the Nazarene Messianic movement, if you will. You know, so God won't put us through anything that we can't handle or that we can't bear. And when we do, we're not even supposed to, to formulate what we're going to say or do. God says that in that moment, his Holy Spirit will give us the words. I got a bit of conviction with that. You read that this morning? Mm -hmm. yeah. I got a, a bit of a conviction through God with that about not even to boast over my enemies because of that faith and the belief of whatever. Right. But not to be standing and not to be boastful over the disaster that's coming to them. Even. That was like, ooh, Well, that's okay, in scripture. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I think it's in Proverbs, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that we shouldn't rejoice over our enemies because the Lord may see our prideful boast and change and not change his mind, but actually not do what he planned to do to his enemies. Yeah. For something later, but yeah, it brought that. Yeah. That's our fallen human nature to say, ha, told you so, yeah. or yeah, I, glad you got yours. No, God is merciful. He's not willing that any should perish, yeah. but that all should come to repentance. You know, so he, even though the bad guys are going to be punished, he doesn't want that for them. He wants them to repent. Uh, so, yeah, we shouldn't boast. And we see this happen in the Middle East. Those that stand against Israel, every time Israel's bombed, there's TV cameras and the Arabs and those who hate Israel are dancing in the street, you know, and, and maybe they've killed a couple people and they're kicking around the heads like a soccer ball or something crazy and insane like that. You know, but you see the other side when something like that does happen to Israel. You may have the Arabs and you may have the others who are against Israel celebrating, but you're going to see. Though. Praising God, celebration is different. That's why I'm about to boast. It's so yeah, they're, it's a fine. they're boasting that Israel yeah. you know, had a tragedy. But what Israel does, if you ever see like one of these suicide bombings in Israel, you're going to see these guys in yellow vests. Now, what these guys in yellow vests do is they're the ones that are collecting the remains of people that were blown up. They collect the Jewish remains as well as the terrorist remains. And they don't like disrespect the terrorist remains. They will treat them with respect and bury them in a proper way. Just So when they see death in a different way, they mourn over the death of their enemy. Even if they blow themselves up because their remains are treated with respect, whereas in those other countries, they're kicking around their heads like a soccer ball. That's disrespectful. You know, they're using, you know, 
so anyway, that should be kind of a lesson to us too. So thank you for bringing that out. That was excellent. All right, uh, we'll go ahead and close with a blessing over the reading of the word. But the word of the Lord endures forever. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. She is a tree of life for them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retains her. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your word. We want to ultimately thank you, Lord, for your protection, probably multiple times a day against tragedies and things that we can't see. And we take that for granted. So, Lord, we would just want to stop and take a moment to recognize how you watch over us, how you protect us, how you care for us. And the things that you do let get through the, 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 the shield, so to speak, you only let them get through in order to teach us a lesson, in order to cause us to rely upon you more uh, or, or something of that nature. It's not meant for our harm, but it's meant for our good. Sometimes it's to turn the tables on the enemy, for I work all things out together for good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So sometimes bad things happen to us because we know that there's something better and a greater thing that's going to happen to us down the road as a result of the dominoes falling, as a result of the supposed quote-unquote bad thing that happened to us. So Lord, we want to thank you for your mercy, and we want to thank you for your grace, and we ask and pray these things and give thanks in Yeshua's name. Amen.